Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Good morning again. I want to begin just by reading from Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 15. Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Now, this morning, I want to speak to the subject of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus here makes reference to the, the term, the gospel. And the gospel is a phrase that, that we throw around in church all the time. It's, it's a, a familiar term for all of us. But Jesus here is saying to take the gospel and preach it throughout the world. And he promises that salvation will come to all who, are, all who believe. And so I think that it's important that we understand what exactly does it mean when we make reference to the gospel. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, Paul makes reference to the gospel. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So, Paul here is saying that he's not ashamed of the gospel and that the gospel is the power of God to bring about salvation. So again, it, we, we are presented with this term, and I think it's critical that we understand what exactly is the gospel. Now, the gospel is so important. Again, Jesus wanted everyone to hear it, and that it, it has within it the power of salvation. The word gospel literally means good news. So why does it mean good news? Well, here's why. Because we are hopelessly doomed. We are hopelessly separated from God. We cannot fix our spiritual situation at all. We cannot we cannot generate salvation. Have you ever tried to pick yourself up while sitting in a chair? It's impossible to do. And it's impossible for one of us to save ourselves, spiritually speaking. We, we can't do it. And so the reason that the, the gospel, the good news, is good news is because God has offered us something we can't provide for ourselves. He has offered us the gift of spiritual salvation. The good news is that we are in a hopeless situation and because of God's love, God's mercy, God's grace, he has extended to us 
a gift of, of spiritual salvation. So the gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. It's the gift of, that is given by God, and it shows God's grace, God's mercy, and it is only through Jesus, and it requires a response. It, it requires obedience on our part. So I, I want to kind of expand that so that we have a, a good, clearer understanding. In 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now that, that explains right there that, that God extended salvation to us. We don't come to God on our terms. We come to God on his terms. And we also need to understand, again, that there, there is required a response on our part. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So, the gospel is the message of salvation and it is offered to anyone and everyone, and all who accept it, all who respond to it, will be saved. But all who reject it will be punished, as the Bible just told us. So let me explain the, the, the meat, if you will, of the gospel. Paul spells it out for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Beginning with verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, <clears throat> which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. Now here it is. First, first part of the gospel, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. So the first part of the gospel that we need to understand is that Jesus died for our sins. That is critical to understand. Uh, nobody else can die for, for my sin or your sin. Only Jesus was able to do that because only Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. Now, it says, according to the scriptures, when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, there was no New Testament that we have today. So when he's referring to the, the scriptures, he's talking about what we call the Old Testament. And there are many scriptures in the Old Testament, but for the sake of time, I will give you just a, one, one set right here. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4, 5, and 6, it reads, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, 
stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That verse from that that scripture from the Old Testament clearly is talking about what happened to Jesus. That Jesus took the pain, he took the sin that should have been inflicted on me and on you, and he took it upon himself. Now, why did Jesus die for our sins? Well, again, it said there, we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. Sin, by definition, is a rejection or a rebellion against God. Anytime and every time we step out of God's will, we're sinning. Sin is anything short of perfection. And I don't know about you, but I know about me, and I ain't perfect. Um, I, I, am, I am far from it. And so we need to understand that we cannot live a life that pleases God because God is holy, God is righteous, God is perfect. And we can't do that. It's not within our means to do that. And so because, that, because of our sinfulness, God can't have a relationship with us. And so he has caused us to, to have to have salvation. Romans 3.23 explains it this way. We have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. All of us fall short of the glory of God. So we are all sinners. That means that all of us mess up. And because we all fall short of the glory of God, we need salvation. Uh, all of us need it. And the price, the cost of our sinfulness is not just physical death. All of us die but it's also spiritual death. Romans 6.23 says the wage or the cost of sin is death. But here's the good part. The gift of God is eternal life. How? In Christ Jesus our Lord. You can't get saved apart from Jesus. That is the only means of salvation. God gives us this gift of salvation because he is a loving God, because he wants a, a relationship with us. He wants a passionate involvement with us. And so he doesn't keep us at arm's distance. He made salvation possible. I read 1 John 4, 9 earlier, <clears throat> and 9 and 10, again, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loves us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christ was crucified 
on a cross because I'm sinful and because you're sinful. And it was necessary for Jesus to die. <clears throat> now, a next part of the, the essential gospel that you, ha you have to have is the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. If Jesus didn't, wasn't raised from the dead, the gospel's useless. He's no different than anybody else. If he died and they put him in a grave and there he is, then he is no different than you and I. But 1 Corinthians, again, 1 Corinthians 15 is where Paul lays out the gospel. And verse 4 says that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the, it, it's critical for our, our theology, it's critical for our, our understanding that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, it, there, there will be people who say that he didn't rise from the dead. And if, if Jesus didn't rise, then our salvation is non-existent. We're, we are spiritually up a creek. You know, there is no hope apart from Jesus being raised from the dead. And Paul points out that Jesus was alive from the dead in chapter 1 Corinthians 15, beginning with verse 5, he says that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. What Paul is saying here is that Jesus wasn't rumored to have been alive. He was seen by literally hundreds of people. There were people who Paul is saying, they're still alive today. If you don't believe me, go ask them. I have seen him. He appeared to me on the road to Damascus, and he appeared to all of these other people. All you got to do is just do ask, and you will find out that they're alive. That, that's what Paul, or that Jesus was alive. That's what Paul is saying to the people in Corinth. And again, Jesus rising from the dead why that is so important is because when Jesus died, he died with all of our sin on his shoulders. And when we believe in Christ, what we are doing is we are saying that our, our sin was placed on Jesus. And when Jesus died, our sin died with Jesus. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose free of that sin. And so our sin is no longer held against us. Our sin is no longer attributed to us. In Romans 4.25, Paul says it this way, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. You see, that's how we are right with God, is that when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't see us as we are right now. 
He sees us through the lens of Jesus' blood shed on the cross. And so when, when God looks at you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have placed your faith in him, he sees you washed clean because of the sacrifice that Jesus did for us on the cross. That's how he sees you. You may see you as a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but God sees you as a, a holy and righteous child of his. That's so important for us to understand. And because Christ died for our sins and then was raised from the dead, he is now exalted. He, that's why we praise him. That's why we sing about him. That's why we celebrate him, because he is, is magnified as our Savior and as our Lord. In Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, he says, When he, that's God, raised Christ from the dead, he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What this is saying, and again, remember, there are many scriptures, but I'm just, for the sake of time, just giving you limited amounts. The Bible shows us that Christ is elevated. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. There is no power on this earth that doesn't ultimately receive its power from Jesus. All authority, all power is subject to Jesus Christ. Jesus even said it in Matthew 28, 18. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. All authority. Now, we, we celebrate that. And so we need to understand that the gospel message is that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. On the third day, he rose from the grave, and he is now exalted and sitting at the right hand of God. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That is critical that we understand that, that we accept that, that we believe that, and that we are, are willing to stake our very being on that. Now, we need to understand that part of the gospel also is that one day Jesus will return. You know, we're, we're celebrating him now, and we have been celebrating him for over 2,000 years. And he said, one day I'm coming back. Uh, in Acts 1.11, the, Jesus has just ascended up into heaven, and the, the disciples are all standing there like this. And all of a sudden, there's some angels that appeared, and it says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has, ta who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So one day, Jesus will return. 
And we have been believing that for 2,000 years. And if he doesn't come back soon, we will go on believing that for another 2,000 years or another 6,000 years or another 10,000 years. Jesus will come back. Now, again, for the sake of time, the Bible says very clearly what the days will look like when he returns. And if you've read a newspaper or looked at the news recently, you can't help but be thinking time's got to be getting short because the world is getting ugly. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, I, I, you know, if, if I'm the one that's breaking that to you, um, come out of the, the shell. But the world is getting more corrupt, getting more evil, getting more, more messed up. And the reality is, is that we are getting closer to the return of Jesus. Now, the thing is, is that the gospel message demands a response. We can't just go, oh, that, that's interesting. I'll take that under advisement. You have to either choose to believe it. And by believe it, I mean stake your life on it. Or you can choose to reject it. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In John 3, 18, it says, Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. We need to understand that we have to make a decision the gospel is God's power for salvation. The only way that you can enter into eternal life is by believing the gospel message about Jesus Christ. That is the only way any person that has ever lived will enter into the kingdom of God. Period. There is no... Well, people in this part of the world don't believe that, and so they get different rules. Romans 1 tells us that everyone is going to be judged based on what Jesus Christ has done. Paul said in Romans 1, again, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. So what we have to do, if we're going to be uh, saved, if we're going to be followers of God, is we have to confess our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and he tells us in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified or made right. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So the only way that we come into the presence of God is by confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There is no other plan B. And when we confess Jesus, he will confess us. Now, in our day and age, 
it doesn't cost us anything to say, I am a follower of Christ. But I guarantee if you go to Saudi Arabia or Iran or China and you stand up and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, it'll cost you. It could cost you your head. It could, it'll definitely cost you some jail time. And so we need to understand, you know, while it may not affect us today, but it will one day, I believe, affect us. And Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. What that's saying is that we, we need to be public about our faith in Christ. We don't hide it. We don't say when, when the chips are down, well, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. I, I, I don't know who that guy is. We don't do that. We stand for Christ. Believing means that you are putting your life on the line. That also means to, to be a follower of Christ, we are called to repent of our sins. In Luke 24, Jesus tells them, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Peter preached repentance of sin. Paul preached repentance of sin. What does that mean? It means that you turn away from your old life. It doesn't mean that you just say, well, I'm going to try and do better. It means that you reject your old way of life and embrace the life of Jesus Christ. Here's a good example. Let's say I, every day, because I get stressed out, when I go home, I kick the dog, I kick the cat, I yell at my wife, and I, um, you know, knock the kids around. And I say, oh, I, you know what, that's a bad thing. I shouldn't do that anymore. So I quit kicking the dog. I still kick the cat. But I, 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 kick, I quit kicking the dog. I quit yelling at my wife. And I quit slapping the kids around. That's not repentance. Repentance means I acknowledge that what I'm doing is wrong. I turn away from that. I even quit kicking the cat. Ah, I know. And I embrace Jesus Christ. That's the key. It doesn't mean just quit doing stuff. It means quit doing what is wrong and instead embrace Jesus Christ. If you don't embrace Christ, you haven't repented. That's critical. And we must repent. When Peter preached the very first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We repent for the remission or for the forgiveness of our sins. Peter taught it. Paul taught it. Jesus taught it. John the Baptist taught it. Everybody taught that that is a part 
of responding to the gospel message. You can't just continue to live in sin doing the same old stuff and say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. You have to repent. And they also said that we are to be baptized. Now, as, as Baptist, what we teach is that your baptism isn't part of your salvation, but it is an act of obedience in response to your salvation. When a person is baptized, what they are doing is they are saying, I am identifying with my old life. It is being buried in the water, and I am being raised just like Jesus was raised from the dead. I am being raised as a follower of Christ. My old life has been buried, and it was. When Jesus died, he took my sin with him to the grave. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose as a free, new individual because the sin that he had taken on him was left in the grave. My sin, your sin, was left in the grave. And so we now stand up out of baptism and say, I am, I am identifying as a new creation. And one of the blessings of, of being a follower of Christ is that we are, we are promised that our sins are forgiven, our sins are removed from us. We are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus said that when we, or, or excuse me, Peter in, in Acts 2.38 said that um, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we will have the gift of eternal life. Remember I read uh, Romans 6.23 earlier that we have um, the wage of sin, the cost of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We need to, to embrace this. We need to understand this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't make up our own gospel. We can't say, well, I don't really like that, that repentance part, so I don't have to do that part. We have to understand that it is all or nothing. The gospel is good news because it is our only means of salvation. It is Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, for your sin, for my sin. He was buried. Three days later, he rose from the dead. And he, ascend, he was seen by hundreds, and he eventually ascended into heaven. That's the gospel message. Do you believe that? If you believe that, have you been baptized in obedience for that? And having understood the gospel message, are you living a life of repentance where you have said, I am wholly following Jesus, nothing else? If you haven't, you're doomed. You must accept Jesus Christ. If you haven't accepted him, 
then if you were to die today, you would spend eternity separated from God. And that place is what we know of as hell. All people will live forever. Our bodies are going to die, <clears throat> but our spirits will live for eternity. They are either going to live in eternity with Jesus in heaven, or they are going to live for eternity apart from Jesus in hell. Let's pray. Jesus, again, more than anything else, I, I pray for clarity. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be able to just speak clearly into the hearts and the minds of everybody here and everybody that's listening online. And I just pray for the movement of your Holy Spirit that we all will hear from you and that we will all make the commitment to be obedient to you. Father, I recognize we can't do that in and of ourselves. You have to draw us. And so, Father, my prayer now is that you draw us to you, that you open our hearts, that you break down any, any exterior hardness that we have, have allowed to be there, that you break through the sin and the deceit, and that each of us will clearly hear from you, Father. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I, I pray. Amen. Amen.